Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Good Lion Podcast. I'm Aaron Salvato, and for the first time in six months, you know him, you love him, it's... I'm Brian Higgins. <laughs> you were waiting for me to introduce you, but then you had to introduce yourself. No, I, I felt that coming. I was with you oh, there. It's been a while, it. but I, I knew where you were headed. We still good. got it, baby. There we go. Ah, intro wow. down. Check that box. Brian, it's really good to have you back, man. Like, you, I mean, you and I have texted and sent Voxer messages to one another and all sorts of things. We've shared pictures of our infant sons and that sort of thing. But uh, it's been a while. Like, I took a break when I had Jack, or when my wife had Jack. And you got him too. Do, do you find yourself saying that and then correcting yourself? Like, yeah, I just had a baby. And it's like, well, did you? Did you? No, push I, it out? I don't correct myself. I mean, if if I'm specifically saying, I will not say we gave birth. Like that's a different thing. Like <laughs> right. my wife exclusively gave birth, but I well, do now have a child. I am legally responsible for. Yeah, you're in possession of a child. You're in possession. I mean, this one kind of came to me. Like I didn't. <laughs> Go out of my way. I yeah. There you go. I, I I'm I'm saying that yes, we have children, but did we did we have them? Because when people say I had a baby, usually they mean you birthed it. But we're getting into the weeds of something that doesn't matter. I'm just excited you're back, man. I took it a break. Is good to be back. I took a break when my wife had Jack, and uh, you took a break when uh, your wife Tori had Nate. We are fathers. We did it. We're full grown people. I feel like the biggest non-meaningful thing that has shifted is the reels that Instagram suggests for me now yes. all have kids in them. Dude, what is that? I, I feel they, like they know. I, I feel they like I clicked know. on I clicked on one video my wife sent me mm-hmm. because she's on all the accounts and I clicked on one reel and now it's all babies, which I don't mind because babies are cute. Okay, here's a question. Did you like babies that much before Nate? I liked babies when they were in front of me. Right. But you like, didn't it's go the same out. way that I liked dogs of like mm-hmm. I if a dog is near me, I am I'm happy. I right. like it. I want to interact with the dog. Yeah. That dog and I are gonna have a good time for a little bit, but it doesn't immediately make me say, Now I need to go get one of my own. Like that was my <laughs> previous relationship with babies right. of if a baby is in front of me, this is awesome. Super right. fun. Like yeah. I will talk to that child. I will hang out with them. I will try to make it a fun experience for both of us. Yeah. I won't feel weird or put off by the fact that a baby's around, but <laughs> baby videos were definitely not something I was actively pursuing or anything like that. They were not something yeah. where it was like, oh yeah, yeah I'm going, there's a kid in this, I'm going to love it. Like it wasn't anything yeah. like that. Yeah, no, full confession, before Jack, there were times that my wife would like send me a video of a baby and I would just be like, I don't want to watch this video. So I would double tap, I would double tap it to indicate that I liked it without actually watching it. I hope my wife isn't, she doesn't listen. She doesn't listen to this show. They don't listen uh, to this show. <laughs> wives don't listen to their husband's podcast. That's, that's uh, very that's true. A, it's a law of nature. So back then I would just, you know, be like, ah baby video who cares now i'm like dude these babies are awesome like i love babies babies dancing babies eating things babies babbling it's like it's so weird i used to be more of a toddler person that sounds weird to say i i'm a full-grown adult person but i'm just saying i mm-hmm. i enjoy toddle from time to time i enjoy hanging out with toddlers because i i've always been kind of the fun uncle i've always had friends with little kids and i get along good with them i've got puppets and that sort of thing 
But now with one of my own, it's just like, oh my gosh, I love having a baby boy. And that's, dude, we actually, Jack, if you're listening to this in the future, I'm sorry, but we thought it was going to be a girl. We, we were stoked on the idea. I always envisioned myself as a girl dad, grew up with sisters. The moment I saw it was a boy, it's like the whole world changed. And I'm just like, I have a boy. I have a son. I'm, I'm Mufasa. I'm Darth Vader. It's terrible. Luke. Not the examples you should go to first. Dude, Mufasa. Okay. The thing about Mufasa is he, he like he's supposed to be this benevolent king, but he's also like, my son, the thing about our citizens is you can eat them. And it's morally okay because one day you'll die and become a patch of grass and they'll pee on it or something. And therefore, justice. And Simba's just like, okay, dad. So I don't remember those lines at all. It's been a while since I've seen it. I'm not going to lie. But I, I don't remember. I don't remember Mufasa's moral musings about whether or not eating his citizens was acceptable. I don't believe it you will right make now. sense. Just just believe me. No, I, he. I, OK, I, I'll tell you what he literally says. He's like Simba. <laughs> He's like, everything the light touches is our kingdom, Simba. That I remember. And these are your subjects, and uh, you will rule over them. The circle of life touches every living thing, even the, the lowly antelope. And then Simba's like, but dad, don't we eat the antelope? And he's like, yes, son. <laughs> but don't you see, one day we die, and our bodies become grass, and the antelope eat the grass, and therefore we are all part of the great circle of life. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. As king, you need to understand that balance and respect all the creatures, from the crawling ant to the leaping antelope. But Dad, don't we eat the antelope? Yes, Simba, but let me explain. When we die, our bodies become the grass, and the antelope eat the grass. And so, we are all connected in the great circle of life. I'm just saying, morally, that's wrong. He's killing his subjects and then saying it's okay because one day he's going to die and they're going to walk on his grave. Okay, Brian reaction time. <laughs> that is a terrible misrepresentation of what Mufasa was trying to say. <laughs> what? He's How? trying to say we all play a part and the fact that we're in this place now doesn't mean we will remain on top forever. He's trying to show his son, yes, you are ruler, you are the future leader. However, you are also part of this cycle. You don't forever stand above this cycle. This okay, is your part to play right now. But if there was a king, let's just say hypothetically, if there was a king of some nation, and let's say that you, Brian Higgins, are his advisor, and you're hanging out with him and his son, and the king is talking about his subjects. And then the son is like, but dad, you're a cannibal and you eat the subjects. And the dad's totally like, totally different. I will not accept this slander, dude. <laughs> yeah. If I'm with another, if me and a, they are, a national leader <laughs> are hanging out and he's like, yes, should son. I eat my people? Like, yeah, hard pass. One day they'll die and they'll walk on my grave. Dude, I'm just saying. He's not just saying they'll walk on my grave. He's saying they'll, they'll be nourished from our bodies the same way so, that we are about to be nourished from their bodies. So if the leader was uh, saying one day I will die and they'll come to my grave and eat the grass. This just gets weird because it's cannibals and people eating grass. I'm just yeah, saying, which is why the analogy is so far off. It's a perfect analogy. And you're it's wrong. so flawed. <laughs> is, it, is it because he's a lion? Yes, it is exactly because he's a lion. Of course okay. it's because he's a lion. But here's the thing, because I, I knew that was where your brain was. But we're talking about anthropomorphic, sentient 
animals that talk and have feelings. I'm just saying. Like, if you were watching The Lion King and Simba got really hungry and he just ate Pumbaa, like, would you be like, oh, it's, it is the way of life. It's the circle of life. Or would you be like, he ate Pumbaa? Yeah, I would be like, he ate Pumbaa. It's because you care about Pumbaa. If he ate some nameless antelope, that's fine. This is the closest thing. This is the closest thing we've ever had to us just having a normal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a good segue because I think that one of the things that will make you a good father, as if you're not a good father right now, but one thing that will make you a good father as you continue to go forward is you are very ready to have in-depth conversations <laughs> about things that only normally interest children. Yes. Yes. Which I'm excited oh for as well. We oh got gosh. one of my favorite movies in the history of movies is Toy Story. Oh, so Every good. time that movie comes on, I get like a stupid smile on and like I just <laughs> can't focus on anything else. Like when you and, hear that Randy, that Randy Newman. Oh, so good. You got a friend in me. So good. So good. Woody's dedication to taking care of Andy is truly admirable. Have, but, you, ever, have you ever cried at the part where Buzz realizes he can't fly? Like, I'm just talking um, even mis misty eyes. No, I have. because I think this is, this is probably the best way to summarize the differences between us. I know some <laughs> people struggle because we're very similar people. Yeah. You mm. were a buzz kid growing up, weren't you? No. I actually have always been more of a Woody guy. Because, really? yeah, it's because I struggled a lot as a kid with kind of like the popular, cool people in school kind of taking everyone's attention. And I always felt like an underdog. So, um, yeah, with I, I yeah, with bu with with Buzz. <laughs> yeah, with Buzz, I totally projected like all of my feelings of like, oh, he's the cool, popular guy and I'm just old Woody, you know, this is not what I would have expected because I was going to I was going to guess that you were a Buzz kid. I mean, I have a buzz I was cut a woody kid right now, but different things, different things. Yeah. What is that thing on Buzz's chin? What is that? that Do you know little, what I'm talking like, about? Swirl thing? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Is it hair? Is it a chin cleft? No one on the internet knows. I don't think it's hair. That doesn't make sense. Well, I thought it was just like one little, you know, Charlie Brown has like, like just one little hair on top of his head or whatever. I thought it was just like a spirally little goatee thing. But it's not like hair color. It looks like it's supposed to be showing, like, shadow indentation. In this episode, we're going to talk about fatherhood. <laughs> just, just completely move the conversation on is what I'm okay. trying to do. There that we works. Go. Let's do it. Yeah, we're, we're dads now. You're, if you listen to this show, if this is the first episode you listen to, you're probably going to be like, this is a totally different show if you listen to other episodes. Because normally we're talking about theology. Normally we're trying to dive deep into things, but... It's been six months since Brian and I have even had a long form conversation with one another. And so we are just talking about the fact that we're dads and I am enjoying it very much. And if you're listening, I hope you are too. In enjoying the conversation or enjoying being a dad? I mean, I assume there's many listeners who are dads. If you're a dad, let us know. If you're a dad, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. And if you're not a dad, I hope it inspires you to one day be one. Unless you're a woman. I don't want you to become a dad. I'd love for you to become a mom. If that's what you want and what God wants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
This is getting, bad. Just, get, just getting really personal with the. With <laughs> this the, is uh, bad. Let's come up with a framework. Let's talk about our process of becoming dads. Like just what that looked like, kind of the the fears and reservations, and then like how it feels now, and just our experience of it. Let's focus on that. So we are going to talk about fatherhood right now, and we're going to focus, first of all, on just our journey of becoming dads. So let's talk through that really briefly. You go first. What's, what's your, uh, what has been your journey and what was it like? You know, it's just the, the whole birth process, the pregnancy process. How was that for you guys? When, when I learned that Tori was pregnant, I was equally extremely excited and extremely nervous. Mm. The excitement is for all the reasons you'd imagine. I have definitely wanted to be a father for, I've always known that I've wanted to be one. I didn't know exactly when I wanted to be one. Like I wasn't one of those guys where it was like, I want to get married at 20 so that I could have a child by 22. Like that was never my thinking. That was me. Um, yeah, so that that's a whole different kind yeah. of but but I also wasn't the guy that was like maybe I'll want to be a dad one day. Like I I've known that yeah. I wanted a family for a while. So all of that excitement mm. it finally felt like I got to open that box of excitement. All of those things that were like reserved for one day. Mm. It was okay, today's that day. Today I get mm. to start diving into that. So that was super exciting. But at the same time, it also came with a ton of nerves. Because what I what I had discovered through the time in which Tori was pregnant was that I had only ever really thought about fatherhood optimistically. Hmm. Whenever I thought about fatherhood, I always just assumed my kid will be really cool or at least will be <laughs> cool in my eyes and I will be good at this. And we will have this kind of good family dynamic that we enjoy relatively early on. Like, you know, when you think about, I don't know, you could apply this to a bunch of different things. When you think about that job that you want, you only think about the days that are good. Yeah. When you think about being in a relationship with that person, you only think about the ways that that person will make you feel good about yourself and the right. times that you'll enjoy. You know, when you think about vacations that you may go on, you think about arriving and seeing the water for the first time or getting to go to that restaurant downtown or wherever, like whatever right. vacation is, you think about that real highlight thing. And I realized I had done a lot of the real highlight thinking about fatherhood and I had done very little thinking about the average day to day. And specifically, I had never really examined what if I'm just not good at the day-to-day <laughs> stuff? I had never right. thought that before. Yeah. And then all yes. of a sudden, a quick flood of, I will never change a diaper properly. <laughs> I will never be good at calming him down when he cries. Mm. I will get overly angry at things that, I, that do not deserve anger, even if they deserve mild frustration or something mm. like that. All yeah. of those thoughts started to come in. And I I don't know if that was something that happened to you as well. I'll throw that to you in a second. Mm. But what I began to see more and more as the pregnancy went along was I was living in fake realities. 
you know, and, and I, I kind of began to understand that, yeah, there will be tough days and moments and evenings and, you know, 2.30 in the morning is just an evil time for some reason. And you, you just mm. kind of learn that and you deal with it. And it's the demon uh, hour. Yeah. Like all of those things have happened. You know, there have been some of those things that I feared. There have yeah. been moments where I felt like I was overly frustrated with him. There have been moments where I did not handle sleep deprivation well. There have mm -hmm. been moments mm -hmm. where I've tried to calm him down and it didn't work. But those have been moments and they haven't been everything. Yeah. And you mm -hmm. can kind of choose which moments you look at as the defining ones and which moments you look at as the ones you have to deal with. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And, and I think... I think for a lot of people, that's how we view life in general. I think when I think back, if you, if you're somebody who was lucky enough like me to have a good home life growing up with your family, when you think back on your time with your family, you usually just remember mostly the good things, you know, like if you really sit there and think about it, yeah, you can remember some bad times. You can remember, you know, a time maybe your parent got mad and flew off the handle at you or a time you got in a big fight with your sister or whatever, you know, family drama, you can remember those things. But most people, I feel like your default is to go to the good. And, <clears throat> but I think you're right. Like we can have that expectation that things are always going to be good. Like we can want life to look like a Norman Rockwell painting. And we don't realize that like when you have a kid, they literally poop on everything. So just, it's like a Norman mm -hmm. Rockwell painting with, with poop on it is what I'm trying to say. That's, that's life with a kid. <laughs> That's a fair summary. And, and yeah. I think the thing that I have had to wrap my mind around, I don't know if that's exactly the right way to phrase it, but the thing I've had to wrap my mind around is the presence of the difficult moments yeah. don't define an experience as difficult. Yeah. The presence of moments that you wish were different don't mean that the whole thing is now broken in some we, we already unfixable knew that. way we already knew that with marriage you know yeah. we can we, we can both anybody you can all look back mm -hmm. on your marriage and you can see you know there was some good times that there were some bad times there were some fights and disagreements and struggles and drama and all that kind of stuff but like that isn't the point of it that that's a struggle you get through to get to the good the goodness you know that mm -hmm. all good things anything that's worth living for also is worth struggling for, I think. Like, most good things are gonna have an element of struggle in it. Mm -hmm. and, and I totally think that's true in the case of child raising. What I've experienced in my glorious six months of it, you know, now I'm so wise, right, with my six months under my belt. <laughs> You've um, finally done it. I think the real goal of this episode is to not come across as like, no. remember the kid in youth group that was three weeks into dating and then mm. suddenly had dating advice for all of his single friends? Yeah. We don't want to be that. I can, I can get into my side of things briefly. Yeah, that's go for cool. it. So, yeah... Man, dude, what an amazing journey. I was a guy who grew up kind of like babysitting my parents, friends, kids, just loved kids. I used to do children's ministry and puppet shows. I mean, children just have this, this thing, this joy in them that has always just blessed me so much. And I just, I, mean, I love youth. I love 
you know, young adults ministry, which is what I'm focusing on now, but there's just something so special about kids. And so I saw that at a young, at a young age and it was something my heart wanted a ton. And I remember, you know, when I met Brooklyn at Bible college, we were talking and, you know, I was asking her just about her future and her goals and what she wanted to be. And this is before we were, we were even dating. And I just remember her saying like, yeah, I just think it would be really cool to like be a mom and raise kids. And it was one of those things where I wasn't like, there wasn't like this anti-feminist streak in me where I was like, oh yeah, heck yeah. Women should be in the kitchen raising. Like, no, like I was expecting her to to have a, you know, some sort of answer about some, some sort of career that she had dreamed of. But I was really touched that she had that same heart for kids that I did. And man, I just, you know, fell in love with her, got married. And we were hoping to have kids really early on in our marriage. And, um, yeah, it was crazy. Like just early on to our surprise and sadness, we were unable to get pregnant. And that was so frustrating for both of us because we both wanted that. And then, you know, years go by and you're watching all your friends get pregnant. And then it got to the point where we were watching like former youth group students of ours who were like in middle school when we started or not raising them, but helping raise them through youth group. And now they're having kids like after their first they're getting pregnant after their first month of marriage, you know, that was hard. Like we were so happy for everybody, but also just struggling. And we were getting to the point where we were considering adoption and we were starting to like figure out if we should go down that road. And then, yeah, just had a breakthrough and had a miracle and ended up getting pregnant six months or not six months ago. My math's off. Six months plus nine months is a number of months. I'm bad at math. I'm guessing nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 months. I like the combo of I'm guessing, but let me count. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was a number of months. And so, yeah, I mean, that was crazy. She got pregnant and what a journey like that was. I mean, just, she has been such a servant to me my entire life, like just has such a heart to serve and takes care of me. And for the first time, it was kind of on me to like really above and beyond take care of her. And that, that taught me so much that experience. And I know you went through the same thing of like dying to yourself in so many ways, but then realizing that your wife has been doing that for years, you know, and kind of <laughs> like long suffering and just trying to come alongside somebody through like a time of a lot of discomfort and pain. Pregnancy is gnarly. You know, the, the nausea is gnarly, the back pain, like there's just so many things that are so hard. And then, you know, we finally got to that point where Jack was born and I just remember going to the hospital and oh my gosh, like just being so nervous, but also both of us so excited. And so just like, this is everything we've ever wanted, but it's, it's about to happen. But then fear, you know, like what if something goes wrong? What if there's complications? Like all of those anxieties kind of swirling around and oh my gosh, it was a beautiful birth. Like just so smooth, no problems quick. I mean, like it was how, how many, how many hours did you guys have to wait for Nate to show up from the time? Like from the time of getting to the hospital to the time getting to the hospital, we got to the hospital Saturday at three, three thirty, something like that. Yeah. Maybe a little bit earlier. And then Nate was born the following day, Sunday at 1130 in the morning. So it was just about 24 hours that we were there before he was crazy. Yeah. I mean, that sounds gnarly because for us, I mean, it was I feel like it was like a 12, 13 hour 
experience. Like it was so not what I was expecting. I was like, Oh my gosh, we're going to be here for two days. We got there in the, in the morning or the afternoon. I can't remember my wife if she's listening to this and she's not, but if she was, she'd be like, you're butchering the details. I'm not super detail oriented like she is, but yeah, I mean, it was a long wait, but then once, once it was time for the birthing process to begin, it happened very quickly. And the minute I saw Jack, I just started crying. Like just, I mean, <laughs> Brooklyn's like, you were crying more than me. She was crying. Her mom was there. Her mom was crying. But like I, when I saw my son, I just burst into tears because he was so stinking beautiful. And I was just like, I don't even know how to express it. Like, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. I can't describe it. I just, it was this raw emotional thing for me. And just holding him for the first time was so beautiful. And now, I mean, all the stuff that you're saying about having those expectations and then going into it for, for me, it's like, I knew it was going to be hard going into it. And, but I also wish that people talked more about how hard it is. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people like don't like just friends and relatives, like they forget like people who have had kids, but they're in their teens. Like they just, they're not, they're not remembering how hard those early times were. The lack of sleep has been the most brutal thing for us. That's just been so hard. And we're actually, we're, we're working on that right now. We're actually training him on how to sleep better. And it's been going actually great the past couple of days. But early on, I mean, that was so hard and we were just so tired and walking around like zombies. But, you know, it, the thing that I don't want to be sappy, but I can't help it. Like the, it, it, it's like, I don't care. And neither does she. Like, we don't complain about it because like, we, we talk to friends about how hard, it, how hard it is. But like, we don't have this attitude of negativity towards it because every time I hold him, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is so worth it. Like, he is such a beautiful human and he'll wake me up in the morning and and. Brooklyn will be like, Hey, can you take him? And so I'll get up first with him and I'll just go on the couch and I'll just lay him down on my chest, you know, and I just sit with him and I talk to him and he like babbles at me. And I'm like, why is this amazing? <laughs> like this, <laughs> like if you described this to me before I had a baby, I'd be like, you spent 45 minutes just lying still with a baby on your chest. That sounds so boring. But now I'm like, that is the best thing ever. You know, I mean, do you, do you feel that at all? Or what, how, how, how are you, how are you processing things like that? Yeah, I completely agree. So thinking back to our experience with Nate actually being born, that first hour of his life was so reorienting for me. Mm. Because in that, before that, everything is hypothetical. You know, yeah. you we we knew that Nate was a boy. We knew that we were <laughs> going to name him Nathan. Like we had all of these things that brought it a little bit out of hypothetical into reality. Right. We obviously right. saw Tori continue to to grow Nathan and like thing a lot of things pointed to this is a very real thing that's about to happen. And then once he was born, that first hour, I kind of forgot that anything else in the world existed. <laughs> I was sort of okay with that. Right. Um, you know, a, a lot of people talk about how becoming parents teaches them a little bit more about what selfless love is all about. And that mm. Or, or not selfless necessarily, but unconditional. Yeah. Because with everybody else in my life, I have an expectation for them. You know, I yeah. am with Tori through marriage vows. And marriage vows are literally, here is what I expect of you. And here yeah. is what I will do in return. Like, it is literally right. a transaction that happens. When Nate was born... There's no vows. <laughs> Babies don't had, give you vows. <laughs> they don't give you vows. And he, realistically, he had spent nine months hurting the person I love most freeloading freeloading and hurting <laughs> just just 
causing pain and culminating in a two-day extravaganza that is the most painful thing that women go through. Right. And as soon as I looked at his face, I was like, I love this kid. This guy's the best. You know, like it's it's just a totally different thing. Uh, and so like, well, can, can I ask a quick question on that? Is mm-hmm. there a part of you? Cause like, you know how, when we were youth pastors, you'd have like the parents who were just like, my kid can do no wrong. Is there a part of you now that kind of understands that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be that kind of parent at all. I want to be the kind of parent that teaches my kid responsibility. And that, you know, when you make a mistake, that's on you, buddy. But at this state, I'm like, because he's a baby, I'm like, he can't sin. He can't do anything wrong. He's perfect. <laughs> he could literally pick up a knife and stab me, but I'd be like, it was on accident. He's just a yeah. baby. I you left know? the knife there. This is on it's me. It's just, it's a flesh wound. Yeah, I definitely get where some of that comes from. And, and that was also one of the thoughts I had when you talked about family misremembering how difficult it really was. <laughs> yeah, right. One of the things that I also think is we 1000% will do that too. Yes, Because you're not remembering all of the individual experiences. You're remembering effort that was put in versus value that I got out. Right. And the value that we're getting out is so outweighing the effort that we need to put in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, like, what is the value? The value is it's, it's, there's a human life living with you there is a a friend for life that is like in your it's just weird like when i hear i I remember listening to jim gaffigan do a comedy special and he was like talking about how parents are always taking pictures of their kids um which is so true i have literally thousands of pictures like we we went from last year barely taking any pictures because we barely left the the house because of covid you know to now we have like literally thousands of pictures for each month. And Jim Gaffigan, when he was doing his comedy special was like, yeah, I've got more pictures than my kids than my dad even looked at me, you know, (laughs) which is like so sad Uh, because that generation, right? I mean, you hear stories about how there wasn't a lot of love and friendship between fathers and sons. And I look at that. I'm just like, I don't understand. Like I look at my son and I, I literally can't wait for him to get a little bit older. I'm loving this age now, but I'm like, I'm thinking about all the video games I want to play with them. You know, I'm like, I've got literally a stash of Super Nintendo and Sega and PlayStation one games that I just want to like introduce to him and not just say, okay, go in your room and play these. I want to sit down and play them with him. Like I I have cartoons. I have a whole long list of cartoons that I want to watch like the entire length of this show with my son sitting on the couch, eating cereal together. Like, you know what I mean? Like I am so excited for that aspect of friendship and yeah, like I'm an adult. I've got adult friends. I like to go out and, you know, hang out with guys and eat pizza and bowl. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what do guys do together? They eat pizza and go bowling. (laughs) It's like, Aaron, you don't actually have any adult friends besides Brian, do you? Uh, You sound like an alien that like watched the big Lebowski and was like, this is what human experience is, I guess. This is what men do. They (laughs) drink beer and eat pizza and bowl. No, but um, you get what I'm saying though? Just like I'm seeing this human life and the potential for like, this is going to be one of my best friends for my entire life. And I'm not like ashamed of how sappy that is. That's how I feel about him. And, and not only that, just thinking about our faith and just the richness of what our faith is and being able to like pass that down to a son to train him as my, my Padawan Jedi apprentice in, in the ways of the, 
the force or the, the Holy spirit. I'm just excited, man. Like I, I see the next 20 years ahead of me and I'm like, it's going to be so awesome. Like, yeah, there'll be hard times. Yeah. He's going to be a punk sometimes when he's a teenager. Yes. He's going to drive us crazy at times, but like that's just little slivers. The whole of what I'm looking at of what our life, what I anticipate our life to be. I'm excited about it. Like I can, I know you can't predict it. Like every kid's different. You don't know. You don't know how he's going to turn out exactly, but I think he's got a pretty great chance of having a great life. And I want to be there to help provide that for him. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I think that the, the projecting towards the future is one of the most fun parts. Yeah. And I also think it is a really good illustration of what it is that God as father actually wants out of us. Because everything you're saying is about character and relationship. Like Tori yeah. and I have, it's sort of a joke, but I I actually mean it. And I think that <laughs> she means it like 80%, which is probably about the percent that I mean it. We just say the only thing we want for Nathan is we want him to be a good hang. Like we just want him to grow up and be a good hang. Like I, I don't care that. what school he gets into. I don't care what like career path he takes like I, I want him to be a contributing adult at some point like I, I'm right. not saying like I just hope he lives in our basement forever like that's not the goal but I just want him to be a good hang you know I want to enjoy a relationship with him and I want him to be the kind of person I want him to have the character where other people are just like yeah I feel good when I'm around him like that's yeah. the whole goal and the fact that what I want for him is so broad and so much more far reaching than, you know, well, I went to this college, so I want him to go to my college and I followed <laughs> this career path. So I want him right. to follow this career path. Like none of that is what I'm thinking. And I'm sure some people have, you know, different things like that and, and whatnot. But thinking right. this broadly really helps me understand like, oh, Jesus, you just want us to be good hangs. Like yes. you just want us to be those that enjoy relationship with you and help other people feel settled in very unsettling circumstances. Like I mean, you want us to enjoy that hang and to <laughs> share that with others. I'm waiting for you to write your book, The Theology of Being a Good Hang by Brian Higgins. That's the whole point of the gospel. Go into the world and create some good hangs, you know? <laughs> I stand by that. I know it's so, it's I like so kind true. of believe that it's there. No, that, I mean, we're being silly, but there, there's an aspect of it. That's really true because I know people where like they're brilliant and they're accomplished and they're super smart, but they're just insufferable and they're like the they're, worst. Yeah. But not, not saying that all those things make you that way. I'm just saying none of those things supersede being insufferable like they don't it, take over for what it is you actually want out of a relationship with another person right so what goes into being a good hang like when i think of the people in my mind who are a good hang it's people who are humble people who are kind people who, who are compassionate who put others ahead of themselves who are good listeners who are empathetic who are servants people who are willing to serve others and stand up for what's right and yeah i mean like those are the kind of people where i love to just sit around and and chill and eat pizza and go bowling <laughs> with, all you know? the things men do yeah yeah it's just 
I want him to be a good dude. I want him to be a stand up dude where people I like when my hope for my son is 20 years from now, when his name comes up in conversation, the response in the room is like, Oh, I love that guy. Like Jack Salvato. Oh man, that, that guy's the best, you know? And it's not like we want our sons to be like popular. Like that's the whole point. We just want them to be good people. You know, you don't, you can be a good person and not be the most popular guy in your sphere, but mm-hmm. the people around you will appreciate that. You know, it's about character. I sound like such a nineties dad talking about character, building character, but I'm already thinking about that kind of stuff. It's, it's like, true. It, it's what matters. You know, like I, I think using that same illustration, what do I want it to be 20 years from now when Nate's name comes up in conversation? I want yeah. it to be like, man, I really don't know what to do right now. I should call Nate. Yeah. Like, you know, who'd be great to help you walk through that? Nathan Higgins. Like, yeah, <laughs> that is definitely if it's like if he could be the the helpful listening ear, the one where it's like I could throw whatever I want in front of him and I know yeah. I'm not going to get judged for it. And then there will actually be wisdom that helps me move forward. Yeah. If that's him, we win. You know, that's yeah. that's it. That's all I need. Yeah. And like and I'm thinking through stuff like I don't want him to feel pressure from me that he like needs to be a pastor or he needs to be like in Mm full-time ministry. I want to train him to be the kind of person that realizes that all of life is ministry, whether you work at a church or not, which for those of you guys who are longtime listeners of the show, that's been a reoccurring theme. You know that that's something both Brian and I are passionate about. Like I want Jack to see the world around him as his mission field. And I want him to understand that kindness compassion, displaying the fruits of the Holy Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, like that stuff actually makes a tangible difference in the world. There might be a chance that, you know, uh, I love public speaking. My wife is terrified of it. Jack might take more after her. Like he might never preach a sermon. And I don't, I want him to feel so loved and so valuable and so a part of God's mission and his kingdom, regardless of that. Like I want him to find his own place of where he fits into that grand story. And yeah, I just, I just don't want him to feel like he has to be me. I I want him to be him. I'm not a sports guy at all. My dad tried to get me into sports. I wasn't into it and he adapted and I want to be like that. You know, I, I want to follow that example of my dad where, you know, maybe I try to get my son into classic Japanese RPG video games, you know, Hey son, let's go play some final fantasy three. And he's just like, no dad, I want to play football. And I want to be like, okay, let's go play football. You know, like I, I want to adapt, you know, whatever he's into, Mm -hmm. I want to support him. I want to be there for him. And I just, I just, I just want, I'm, gosh, I feel like I'm going to start tearing up. I just love him so much already that I just want to be there for him. I want him his entire life to feel like his dad is, is there for him. That's like one of my primary concerns is not like I try, I work hard, but I don't know if I can provide the best financial life for him. A good one, maybe, but like not the best. But like, I don't, I don't want that to be the litmus test of, did he have a good life? I want it to be, did he feel loved? Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Cause that's not the litmus test that he's going to put on you. It's right. only the one that you and I will talk about, you know, like yeah. we and other people in this same situation, like we will compare with one another, like, oh, well, did you start your 401k and blah, blah, blah. And like, I am far more interested not. in talking about 401ks now. That's a very old man thing about me. We um, need to talk about it. Cause I haven't started mine. Sure, we could do that. That's easy. Um, All that to say, like the things that we use to compare with one another, which are also of importance, they are not the things that he will look at 
and be like, oh man, but like dad was able to get the five bedroom house or whatever. Like that's not going to be the thing that he puts on you. Here's an interesting thing. I I think that this is in line with what you're saying, but I'm interested to hear you kind of dive into it. Do you find that since Jack was born, you are less personally ambitious? Yes, um, a lot. And yeah, this is something that like before him, I've just been going back and forth roller coaster over the last four years with just this identity crisis because I used to be on staff at a church I used to be a youth pastor. I used to have this really clearly defined purpose. And so I've never been like a very ambitious person. You know, I, uh, I'm not, I'm not really ambitious, but I am a little vicious. That was supposed to be a Michael Scott. I'm you know, with you. I'm not superstitious. I'm, but I'm a little stitious. It The joke doesn't really work, but I'm going to keep it in because I'm, I just want everyone to know how dumb I am. But yeah. what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is that I, yeah, I, I, there was, there's this pressure where it's like, what am I going to do? All of my friends are planting churches or writing books or just doing these big things. And, and you know, with all the stuff that we've done through Good Lion and the ministry in the past couple of years, I, I've always kind of doubted myself and felt like it wasn't that important. And there was this thing in me where it's like, well, when, you know, because people would say to me things like, Aaron, like, when are you going to get back into real ministry? Which just like, it hurts so much because I'm like, I've been trying to do ministry for four years. It's just not what you're used to. There's, there's no stage or reverb or music in the background. You know, it's all through this mic. But when I had, when I had Jack, like, there was just this feeling in me where I kind of felt all of the pressure to be something, like kind of fade a little bit. And it was just like, I just want to be a good dad and a good husband and a good Christ follower, whatever that looks like, because I don't want to be the dad who is so ambitious to try to make my vision of what I think my life is supposed to be happen that I miss out on what's happening right in front of me. And that's kind of where I'm at. And I hope to stay there. And the Mm. interesting thing is I've actually felt that since I've had Jack, when it comes to my ministry and the things I feel called to, I have a deeper sense of clarity and I actually feel like more effective in this season. It's weird. I have less time to do ministry stuff but I'm just trying to put my whole heart into the stuff I can do and have the mindset of like, you know, loaves and fishes, like, Lord, I'm just giving you what I can and I'm trusting you to multiply it. And, and I've tried to keep that mentality the last four years, but right now with Jack and just spending, like just, you know, cutting my time at five o'clock and saying, okay, I'm done working. You know, some days I fail at this, but most days, you know, five o'clock I'm out. I'm going to go help. I'm going to go change some diapers. We're going to go have some hangout time. I'm going to take him for a walk in the stroller through the neighborhood and like all the other stuff I was trying to accomplish today. Like, yeah, there's like three things on my to-do list that didn't get done, but that's okay. And life goes on and nobody else actually cares. It's just me that puts that pressure on myself, you know? Mm. So I, I don't know. I'll stop talking. I, 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 I've been talking a lot. How do you feel about this stuff and, and the ambition thing? Yeah, that's good. Initially, I think that a lot of my personal ambition went away in the sense that you were talking about of there is less pressure to be something because now I am something. Yeah. You know, I, I will forever have the role of Nate's dad. That That's is a true. thing that I am, you know, and so much I think of ambition is less about will I accomplish this thing versus will somebody consider me as something of importance to them? 
You know, will I be influential? You know, and I think about I'm a huge Jerry Seinfeld fan. <laughs> I think that he's just one of the funniest people in the history of the world. I think he's fantastic. I love his show. I love his stand up. I love comedians and cars, all that stuff. But when I think about what I enjoy with him, I don't sit there and say like, well, he made 180 episodes of a sitcom. It's, <laughs> it's more about I consider him someone of importance. I consider what he does as valuable and things like And I think that that's what a lot of ambition is really about. It's less of, did I check the boxes and do the things? It's, did I take on a role that other people valued? And yeah. I think that in becoming a, a dad, well, can, now can I, I have can, a... Can I just, I, I just want to clarify something really quick. Cause the, the way that you're phrasing it, I feel like somebody could listen and just be like, oh, it just sounds like Brian is just like really concerned with his status, you know, and I, I know you personally, and that's not, that's not your heart. When you're talking about being a person of importance, it's, it's, am I being helpful in people's lives where they value what I'm giving them? Like, am, am I working hard enough that I'm providing somebody with something that is helpful? And then they recognize that. And there's kind of this back and forth. Does that kind of make sense? I'm just, I'm just trying to, cause I, I'm in that same boat as you. I think you're being too gracious to me. I know you, man. I do. I do kind of mean it as status. Okay. Well, that's the I definitely do. thing. You're the three. I'm the two. You know, I'm like, how can I help? And, you know, it's like, yeah, how can I, I achieve on the other end? Yeah. I but, want to do things that are helpful for people, but I also want to feel like I belong in a certain echelon of people. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't think you recognize enough that that altruistic side of yourself. So I'll leave, I'll leave you with that to ponder. But uh, anyway, keep going. Okay. Either way. Now what I find is I am no less ambitious in the sense of like, my goal is not how do I do as few things as possible so <laughs> that I can have as much time with Nathan. Like, that's not the way I think anymore. Now I find that I am driven in a more others focused way. It is mm. less about mm. I want to become a good Bible teacher so that people will recognize that mm. I am a good Bible teacher and so that I can help others through that teaching, but also so that I can look at myself and say, I feel satisfied I with where I've grown my as a Bible teacher. Yeah. I, I feel like I belong in the crew of people that I find inspirational. It is way less that. And it is now much more, how do I make sure that what I'm doing makes him okay? Wow. How do I make sure that the thing... and I will that's, now work harder that's to beautiful. try to make that stuff happen. Yeah. Like I, I will take on more than what I was previously doing so that those possibilities open up for somebody else. So yeah. that's been kind of the interesting journey with ambition. I've always been a very ambitious person. I've always wanted to rise to a certain level. I've always wanted to create things that people can find value in. Again, going to Seinfeld, he talked about when he first started in comedy, his goal wasn't to become, you know, super rich. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about opportunity. It wasn't about any of those things. It was he looked at this crew of comedians and he's like, I want to belong with those guys. Right. You know, and that that used to be my ambition. I want to do pastoral stuff. I want to be helpful for people, but I want to belong with some of those guys. Yeah. And now it's less about where will I belong? And it is much more about how will I put Nathan and my family ahead. No, that's really good. And I, I see so many parallels to kind of like our dynamic because we've talked about it. You know, we get into the whole Enneagram thing. Some people don't like the Enneagram. If you don't like it, I don't know, fast forward, 
30 seconds or a minute or just listen. It's a tool. It's, it's not a religion. You know, it's just a tool. It's a psychological tool. But in that system, you know, Brian's three, he's the achiever and everything, you know, you just said kind of lines up with that. For me, I'm, I'm the helper, the giver. The side of that is the need to be needed and you want to feel like people need you and depend on you. And that's been my big struggle in the past four years is I went from being, you know, a youth pastor where an entire community of people at a church depended on me to like help raise their children. And I had all these kids depending on me to be their big brother in Christ. And, and I love that, you know, and with, with Jack, there's this, this thing in me where I'm just like, he needs me. Like he actually needs me to be there for him. And if all I ever achieve the rest of my life, if my biggest achievement is just being a great dad, that needs to be enough. And I know that God's going to use me in other ways. Like that's obvious, but I don't, I don't want to have aspirations. Like I want God to do big things. And I, if he wants to use me, I want to be on board, but I don't want to sit around and think it's all on me to change the world. You know, I have a responsibility that God gave me and that's my son. Like think about how many, how many people have dad issues? There's so many people out there that have, I mean, even guys like us who have good dads still have some dad issues. It's kind of like, it's something everybody struggles with, but there's people out there that had really like dads that really let them down and really broke their heart. And now it's like, they're messed up for life. There's something broken inside. And, 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 and I look at Jack and I'm like, it is a great ambition to be a good father, to like recognize it takes hard work and dedication and time and effort, you know, to, <laughs> to have him 40 years from now, look back on his time with me and go, that was a good time. You know, that's not just going to happen naturally. Like some things will happen naturally and organically, but there's other things that it's like, it's going to take you and me as dads stepping up to the plate and saying, we're going to be good dads, whatever that means. So let me ask you this question. And this kind of brings us in a little bit of a different direction. I'll use myself as the example first, and then I'll, I'll try to apply it to your situation. I am someone who tries to achieve things. And so what I am trying to work through and sort out is that Nathan doesn't need me to achieve things. He needs me to be with him. Yeah. You know, my bent will be if I could just do good stuff and I could provide more things, then that will satisfy <laughs> him when to some extent, maybe, but that's not enough. That's that's not going to be what he actually needs from me. He needs me yeah. as well. You know, he doesn't just need stuff from me. He doesn't right. need other people to come up to him and say, wow, your dad did X, Y, Z. How cool. And then he's like, yeah, but I don't know him. You know, like that's yeah. obviously not what I want to accomplish. So I have to combat the achiever in me mm. to be the emotionally accessible dad that he's going to need. Yeah. Are you thinking through or how do you think it will play out? You are the one who loves to help. And using your own phrase, you have a strong desire to be needed. Yeah. How are you thinking through setting Jack up to need you less mm. so that he will grow to the point where he stands on his own feet? Not that you'll ever completely walk away. It's, it's, right. it's getting to the point where he doesn't need you so that he can enjoy you rather than he doesn't need you. So now you can move on, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. is that something that you think through? Is that a hard thought for you? Or is I've that never, I've never thought about it. So okay. you're, doing, you're, you're raising an interesting question. Yeah, I, I think that the whole need to be needed thing, the dark side of it, the danger that I've become aware of is you can develop codependent 
relationships with people where, you know, if that relationship changes or goes away, then like, you know, it's a struggle for one or more people in the party. And yeah, so I could, I could imagine that being a thing where Jack and I are just so close, you know, where, and, and he's so dependent and reliant on me. And yeah, I don't want that. I want him to be independent. I want him to know that his dad always has his back. I'm always in his corner, but I'm also not going to like push him through life on training wheels. You know, at some point the training wheels have to come off. Like every good dad teaches their kid to ride a bike. So yeah, that's something I got to pray through. How do I balance that? You know, and, and I'm right right now. I mean, I'm super blessed because Brooklyn and I share the responsibility so much. So I'm not just like, you know, it has to be me doing everything for him. He has to need me. Like, I mean, really he needs her. Like he's mm-hmm. breastfeeding. Like he, he literally needs my wife, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's something I'll, I'll pray through, but that's definitely good wisdom, I think, to think through. And, and I think, I mean, the, the turn the question I turn back to you is like with your bent, is there any part of you that fears maybe viewing Nate as he gets older through the lens of achievement where you're evaluating based him based on the thing, like his grades, you know, and his athletic prowess, you know, and the different things that he does. Cause that's a struggle. A lot of kids have is feeling like their parents are only excited or happy or treating life like special things are happening when achievements are happening. I've, I've met tons of kids in youth ministry where like, that was the big chip on their shoulders. Like, Oh man, they just feel like so much pressure to achieve, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I do think about that. I think the phrasing we want Nate to be a good hang is very guiding for me. That's great. Because it does pull me out of those things a little bit. Like Um, it's different than we want Nate to be a surgeon. Yeah, that's a totally (laughs) different thing. It's a completely different thing to say he has to follow this one particular path or even rise to a certain undefinable level of success. I, I would say that what I am worried about Maybe worry is too strong. But what I'm worried about is that I won't think of it as straight A's or bust. I won't (laughs) think of it as um, be the best on the team or don't play at all. Like, I won't think of it that way. But I am also not a terribly sappy person. I mean, as years of this podcast have shown. Um (laughs) I I like to make the joke that when somebody makes fun of me or pokes at the fact that I can sometimes come across as a little bit emotionless, I like to jokingly <laughs> say, "You hurt my feeling." Um, you know, so I I worry that what will happen is I will not intend to put that pressure on him, but he will perceive it that way. Yeah. Because, like you're saying, he'll see the excitement when things are going well. Because why wouldn't you celebrate your kids doing something good? Yeah. But he'll feel that he's only celebrated in those moments. So I've actually already thought about should the time come for Nathan to do sports? Because really, I would like for him to do that. I think it'd be fun. I would just enjoy it. I think it'd be a fun experience. I kind of don't care. That's not true. I care what sport he plays. But I I don't want to push him towards nothing but cricket. Nothing, nothing but cricket for the Higgins family. We're we're a long, proud family of golfers. No, I'm (laughs) kidding. But like. I have already thought about I will have I want to have no problem when he plays a bad game, hmm. but I want to have a problem when he gives up. Yeah, that's I, a huge I want distinction. To, and that I because I there's a, a sports podcast that I listen to where they do a thing called Parent Corner. 
through the yeah. throughout the season. Shout out Bill Simmons. He's not listening. He's definitely not listening. Um, he is like one of the five most successful sports podcasts in America. So yeah, that'd be, be really hilarious weird if, if he listened was. to Good Lion. Yeah. That'd be re- good to see a Bill. We don't see him. This is a audio medium. But he's talked through situations where like when he brings one of his kids out to go play travel soccer, to go play football or whatever, like when they just get in their heads and they have a bad game, you just kind of have to try to love them through it because that's going to happen. That's part of sports. and, And that's part of why you want your kid in that so that they can learn sometimes life feels this way and it's not the end of the world. You learn from it, you move on, you keep going. Yeah. But there is room for the conversation of like, hey, I have no problem bringing you to this, but I'm I'm not okay with I bring you to this and then you just quit on your team or you just don't try at all. Like if you want to be done with this, you can be done with this. I'm fine with that. But, you know, if you if you genuinely tried your best and you struck out every time you got up, that's fine. If you genuinely tried your best and you kept dropping the ball, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. But if you tried once, it didn't work, and then you got really down on yourself, and then you totally sandbagged it the rest of the way, that's not cool, because that's not how you become somebody that people can rely on. That's not yeah. how you learn to live in a way where I am mm. part of something bigger than me, and I want to live up to my end of that yeah. thing. No, that's good. That was a long answer, I think. Oh, man. That's great, though. I mean, it's it's good character building literally i mean yeah i love i love that man because i mean that's kind of my fear on the other end of things you know you're talking about your fear of lack of emotion and everybody who knows me knows me that my son is going to be smothered with emotion <laughs> like he's gonna you know like um in the show full house where like every episode had like the moment where one of the three dads you know jesse joey or danny was going to have a heart to heart and like that eighties keyboard synth would come in and it was like Mm -hmm. time for a heart to heart and they talk and then like they'd hug and the audience would clap. That's, that's literally going to be life in the Salvador home. There's just going to be lots of like heart to hearts and uh, it's, it's going to be great unless my son is born like you with his personality. And then he'll be like, dad, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Like literally I didn't need a speech. You could have just said, Hey, you're wrong. Uh, You're punished. Go to your room. But anyway, yeah, so my fear is not lack of emotion. My fear is my own lack of ambition at times might pass on to my son in ways that are negative and maybe I won't push him at all. Like I literally was the kid growing up. I remember during recess when we divided into teams to play dodgeball or kickball, I'd literally be the guy saying to my team, like, it doesn't matter who wins as long as we have fun. And my teammates would be like, what is wrong with you? Like get, get in the back, you know? So yeah, I mean, I don't want, like, I, I, I think it would be great for Jack to play sports. And I didn't think I'd feel that way, but I remember, um, I took him for a walk and we came down to the little park by our house and there were some kids playing T-ball and, and Jack had his little hat on his baseball hat. That was actually my very first hat that got passed down. And I just felt this like surge in me, this weird feeling like, what is this feeling? Like appreciation <laughs> for sports? I don't understand. <laughs> Never felt this before. So there's a part of me that's like, I'd, I'd love for him to dabble into it and see if he's got a knack for it, you know, but I also don't want him to feel like if he loses a game that I'm disappointed in him. Like I want to be the kind of dad where I'm taking him out for ice cream, whether he wins or loses and I'm celebrating the wins and I'm helping shepherd him through the losses, you know, and helping him understand like, Hey, this doesn't define you as a person. Like, yeah, you lost. Like there's no brushing over that. It happened. Like, you know, 
the other team was better, but you're, you're still great. You're still loved by the Lord. Like your whole life is going to be filled with wins and loses and that's okay. Like dad goes through that too. You know, I, I think those are important things to teach, but yeah, I think it's good that we're trying to be aware of our blind spots. I wonder if our wives will listen to this episode. If they were going to listen to any, I feel like it would be this one because they're probably curious about, I, I would see them being curious about this conversation. I think they're going to read the title and then they're just going to ask us what we said. Maybe. That's what I think is going to happen. We'll see. Let me let me throw one more question by you. Yeah. I am confident there are people listening who did not just recently become fathers and slash or mothers or just do not have any kids at this point. Hmm. How does this make you rethink the way that you lived before you had Jack? Like, what are the things that you wish you were doing differently previous? What are the things you felt like? Maybe I put too much pressure on myself here or there or whatever. It's a very broad question, but how does this help a non-parent, this conversation we've just had? Yeah. Uh, man, I feel like for me, I feel like I feel like I would have put more emphasis before Jack on spending deep personal time with the Lord, not to like sound super spiritual. Like, I wish <laughs> I, wish I was a better Christian. But the, the reality is when you have a kid it just takes up so much of your time. Like I have so little free time and my wife has like 75% even less free time, you know? And so that becomes a challenge and you have to be really intentional with your time with the Lord, where in the past there's more flexibility. So that's something I'm working through right now is how to, how to adapt and how to adjust and um, having your routine interrupted a lot, you know? That's, that's a big thing. I mean, I wish I would have somehow magically made a lot more money in the past somehow <laughs> <laughs> with my sweet youth pastor job so that I could have a lot saved up for Nate's future. But I've been working really hard the last four years with anticipation of, you know, the, a desire for a child. And so thankfully I have been able to save a bit, which has been nice. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, man, it's a hard, it's a hard question because I feel like for any of you guys listening who don't have kids yet, it's hard to know until you know, like it's, it's, hard to experience it until you experience it. But if you want to be a parent, like I would just encourage you to throughout your time in your life, just be thinking through like, what is a good parent and how can I become the kind of person that my future kid is going to need me to be? You know, maybe you struggle with responsibility. Maybe you struggle with emotional availability and you've had people in your life point that out to you. Like those are tools you'll need as a parent. Start working on it now. You know? Yeah, I don't know what else to say much with that, but it's a good question. What, what? I mean, how would you respond to your question? Yeah, I would say that one of the things that has very much stood out to me is that whatever I thought being a parent was before I became one, it has not been that. Like what I what I expected and what I anticipated the workload to be and what I thought my day to day would be like, it isn't any of those things. And mm. yet three years ago, or four or five years ago when I was leading a youth group and when I had parents who were helping lead, I was like, oh yeah, I know what it's like. You know, I, I get that they have those other responsibilities, but you know, yeah, they yeah. should X, Y, Z. 
it's given me a lot of sympathy for (laughs) if I haven't lived the situation that somebody else is in, Mm. I probably don't fully understand it. Yeah. I definitely don't fully understand it. And I need an extra dose of humility to be able Mm. to say, you know what? There are things that they are probably going through that I just can't see right now. Yeah. And rather than trying to convince them, I see it too. I should just lovingly try to learn from them, try to empathize, and try to not put the expectation of my situation onto somebody in a very different situation. That's good. That's really good, man. And yeah, I mean, the thing I would close this episode out with is just, I... And we, I think we should have another episode about just fatherhood. This has been great. I, hopefully, if you're listening, you've been enjoying this. But I, I think that I want to, I want to be there for my kid spiritually as a spiritual guide. And I don't know if you ever think about this, but there's a, there's a part of me that's like, what if he gets older and he doesn't want to be a Christian? And that thought is terrifying to me. But I want to do everything I can now to be the kind of dad. Like I want to develop my spiritual life even more so that I can be the kind of dad he needs that'll just continue to point him to Christ and not force him and not say, if you don't practice Christianity the way I do and do your devotions the way I do and all that stuff, like I don't want any of that, but I want to be somebody he looks at and says, man, dad believes in this stuff. There's got to be something to it because I know dad, you know? Mm -hmm. And I hope that he listens. I hope that Jack and Nate listen to this show one day, you know, maybe not. You know, takes a long time to get through a four year <laughs> podcast, um, but maybe they will. Maybe they'll listen to a few episodes. And I, I would hope that the kind of work that we do at this podcast would be work that if our sons listen to it in the future, that it would greatly bless them. You know, like I'm not just thinking about the audience now. I'm thinking about like my kids a part of this. You know, I, I want I want this to be top quality. I want it to be good content. I want it to be spiritual. I want it to be helpful because I want people to walk with Jesus and I want my son to walk with Jesus. And I, but I also want to be the kind of dad where it's like, I'm not just giving my best stuff into this microphone. I want to give it to him in person in the house, you know? So that's what I'm praying through. It's just God continue to build me up so I can be the kind of father that he needs. I completely agree, man. That's good stuff. I'm glad we were able to kind of talk through some of this. Yeah, man. Think through the areas that maybe we haven't thought through well enough. Free therapy. That's what podcasting is. Just continue to semi-blindly walk towards what we think we need to be headed toward. There we go. There we go. Thanks, man. This has been great. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. If you like our show, please take a minute to give us a review on iTunes. It seriously helps so much. The more reviews we get, the more people will find us. And so if you want to help the show, please just go on iTunes and leave a quick review. We also love questions from listeners and we love to do episodes focused on questions. So if you have a question and you want us to talk about on the show, send it to our email address, which is goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. Send us a question. We'd love to talk about it on the show. The Good Lion Podcast is a production of the 
Calvary Global Network, and it's produced by myself, Aaron Salvato, and my co-host, Brian Higgins. Our show is a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network, a network of Christian podcasters that Brian and I started with our friends. Check out our website, goodlion.io, where you can find a ton of other Christ-centered, encouraging, and equipping podcasts. Our goal with this ministry is to reach people all over the world with Christ-centered content that helps them as they walk closer with Jesus. If you like what we do and you want to support us, go to goodlion.io support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.